Who knows what Jay-Z, J.K. Rowling, Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey all have in common? Okay, I will tell you then. They have all overcome failure in one shape or form to go on to gain success in their respective careers. Welcome to My Perfect Failure. Join us as we delve into the world of our perfect failures. We will interview, explore, and discuss how our perfect failures can lead us to success. Join us and tune in. Welcome, everybody, to another fantastic episode of My Perfect Failure. Today, we have another fantastic guest. Today's guest, she started investing in property in 2008 and has been named in the Telegraph's top 25 most influential people in property in the UK. She is an inspiring speaker and author of five books, including the finalist in the Business Book Award in March 2020. She's a regular on podcasts across Europe, America, Canada, as well as the UK. She runs both a property and training and property sourcing business. In recent years, she's helped clients invest over £5 million and she's bought 70 properties. So on the podcast today, I'm delighted to welcome Vicky Wushe. How are you, Vicky? Very well, thank you, Paul. Very well. And uh, it's always a momentous moment when I speak to you, Vicky, but today is... Uh, another momentous moment because, as I just said to you before we started this particular episode, is that you're the first person that I've had the pleasure of having on a podcast twice. I'm very honoured. Thank you. Yeah, really nice to be invited back. Well, I'm very honoured and very esteemed that you want to talk to me again. <laughs> <laughs> Most people go run into the hills. <laughs> I've never no, seen it again. Definitely not. So Definitely yes, not. so it's, uh, I really enjoyed everything about the last episode, the sort of the meeting you sort of online and then sort of, you know, the ideas that we had and then the episode itself, which I went, I learned loads and your energy and your wisdom and I could just listen and, you know, absorb all that wonderful information. So thank you so oh, much. Thank you. That's really kind. Well, in that case, I'll stay as you're being so nice <laughs> about me. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about a third because you've done so much. So say um, <laughs> so, so I think you might be the third if, if I can. Uh, no problem. I we... will talk to you every Friday if you want me to. Good. Good. If we can navigate this one successfully. <laughs> and, um, to the wonderful listeners, we've got a great episode for you today. Today, we want to delve into, I think, a subject that is quite, I think, is becoming more and more front of mind for people, you know, me included. And today's episode is around how can we use time and money to live the life we want? And who doesn't want to live the life we want? And the reason that I wanted to cover this was Vicky, because Vicky has navigated various junctures in life you know she, she might correct me in a minute but I believe that she now has an amazing life and pretty much lives the lives that she wants and she's using money career opportunity everything could build all into doing that and I from a selfish point of view I'm really keen to understand how she does it what's involved how I can bring this into my life and the listeners I'm sure that you guys listening will be able to take great tips and tricks about how you can do that yourself. So Vicky, I'm going to stop uh, rambling and uh, maybe you can bring some sense to what I'm talking about. Thank you. No, I think you're making perfect sense. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? We live in a society that is driven by money and economics. 
But more importantly, I think we are manipulated by brilliant marketeers to want things that we never knew we needed and to buy things we often don't even use. And I learned a massive lesson, which was really the application of maths. Another thing, we're taught maths at school, but we're taught it in such a way. I, I haven't done the research on this, but I'm just going to say it for a fact. But I think at least 60 people, 60% of all young people that leave school either hate maths or can't do maths. And maybe I could even go as far as claiming that it's 75%, because practically every adult that I speak to as a client tells me they don't like maths. I mean, Paul, support me or, or disagree with me? No, I'm, I'm totally, unfortunately, I'm in that number. So, yeah, so I'm part of that. Part and, of I, that. and I think the thing is, it's the way it's taught to you. But if what you understood is that understanding maths will help you understand money, and if you understood money, you then have all the control and power back in your hands. Mm. You're able to make informed decisions about what you do with the money. And the point about money is money costs you time. So in order to earn money, you have to spend your time. And if you're spending your time earning your money, unless you love what you do, which is absolutely fine if you do, but again, for a lot of people, they don't love what they do. But if you don't love what you do, you're spending X amount of hours of your time in order to earn money because someone told you you needed to have it. And every time you get it, it falls through your fingers because you're busy buying stuff you don't need. Then you're miserable because with the little bit of time you've got left, you don't have all of that money that you seem to have worked so hard for because you've bought all of this stuff you didn't need. And so then you go and buy more stuff you don't need in order to get the gratification because the clever marketeers told you that this drink, this chocolate, this gadget, um, this outfit will make you happy and feel good. And so it becomes a really, really very clever way of controlling society and fueling an economy that is built on money and then supported and enforced through debt because what happens is you spend more than you can afford you then get into debt you then have to continue to work you then continue to be miserable you then continue to buy you then continue your debt so you then have to continue to work and as i say if you're in the small minority of people who love either their job or their business, then that's marvellous. You still could learn a lot about money and time so that you get that balance right. And, and that's, that's really what I've worked out that I do. So I'm known for property investing. I'm known for having written all of these books. But actually what I do is I empower people to live the life they want to live. And the way I do that is I show them that time costs money and that money costs time and then I show them how to manage their money then how to manage their time and once they've got mastery it's like they're two horses pulling your cart and you need to grab hold of the reins and if you can manage and steer time and money you can take your cart anywhere you want to go it can go down any track you want and so you very kindly said in the introduction that, that I've got a great life. And I really do feel I have a great life. But I think there will be people out there that will say things like, 
okay, so how many houses do you earn? How much money have you got? How many cars do you drive? What car do you drive? Uh, you know, do you go to this restaurant? Have you got that watch? But those aren't the things that enjoy, you know, give me joy. I am driven by the memories that I can create in my life by having fun and adventure with my fun family and friends. So, you know, over the, just over the last couple of weeks, we've been fruit picking with the grandchildren, um, you know, made my family very pedestrian things. But when it comes to it, and I'm at that final moment before I go off to meet my maker, my memories are going to be happy memories filled with my family, being in my garden, managing my business, thinking about the clients that I work with and how I've helped them to have time on the things that are most important to them. I'm not going to be lying on my deathbed going, oh, I'm really pleased I bought another pair of shoes or aren't I lucky that I'm going to leave four cars in the drive for other people. That's, you know, and not have the memories or know that my grandchildren will remember me or that maybe even my great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren will remember me. Yeah. That's, that's more important. That's how we live on, not through stuff, but through the impact that we have on people through the love that we share. And you can do that if you manage those two horses. Okay. When you were talking, I was thinking, you know, what you've got is in terms of the solution. We all want that. There's not, I, don't, I can't believe there's anybody that, that will be listening to this episode that wouldn't, or, you know, like a wonderful career in money and make that lovely segue so they can live, you know, their perfect life, whatever that, that is. But what I'm, I'm interested to know is how did you, how did you get to a point where you understood this? Because I'm, I'm just keen to sort of understand those mechanics of what that journey was like for you. Mm. I don't know if I said this when we spoke before. It's very easy when I'm speaking to make it all sound so easy and so glib. But actually what I'm you doing You possibly is, did. Yeah, no. So I don't, mm. I don't mean it to be easy and to be glib. Mm. What I'm trying to do is to share with you my hindsight or my insights mm. into what I have learned through my experiences so that you don't have to go through 20 years to get to this point gotcha. of learning for yourself. Because I think that's, that's what we can do. We can share our understandings in order to accelerate uh, and amplify and enable others to get what we've got yeah. sooner than if they went through the whole process themselves. So you asked, how did this come about? I think there's a couple of things. So one, now with hindsight, I can see that there have been messages throughout my life about certain things. And so one has been about money. The other has been about control. And the other has been about property. Um, and now more, and I can start to see these. What happens is something fairly big happens and it really makes you go, okay, I'm paying attention. And when you pay attention, you go, ah, oh, that's that's interesting. That's all about whatever the word is. Then you go, hang on a second. I remember I remember something like that last year or the year before or the year before or last week or yesterday or earlier this morning. And you go, these signs have been there all the time. But now, now I'm putting all of the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together. I understand. So what I'm doing is I'm speeding up in my story all of the finding of all of the little jigsaw puzzles. And I'm just presenting you with a, a complete picture. So the first thing for me was about control. So there were several things. There was um, my marriage that I felt that in the relationship I was in, I gave away my control. I gave away my power to my partner. And that meant that we got into debt 
It meant I got isolated from my family and my friends. And it meant that it was very difficult for me to then go, I'm unhappy in this situation. I want to be doing something else. Control then came up again for me when I was made redundant from a job that I loved. So I got made redundant in 2006. And I thought to myself, that's that's not not fair, you know, because that sounds whiny, but something like that's not fair. I really loved that job. Why did I have to lose that job? And I know why, because government funding ran out. And so there was no money to pay me the wages. But it was like, I don't want to be in this position where someone else can decide whether they've got the money to pay me. And I do think a lot of listeners may be facing this now through to Easter. You know, we're going to see a lot more people losing jobs. I think I just saw something flash up that just today, 6,000 people have taken um, redundancy from British Airways. We're going to see numbers like this all the time. And it's okay if you choose redundancy because you were 64 and you were planning to retire next year. But what if you're only in your 20s or your 30s or your 40s and you've got a mortgage and a family and you don't really have any choice? You've been squeezed down an alley where you have no choice but to accept redundancy or the redundancy will be forced on you. And so I never wanted to be in that position. So that was control. And then I thought to myself, how can I take back control of my life? And I I will tell you in 2006, I didn't have the answer. But then what I started to notice was that the next message that had been running all the way along was about money and maths. So think back to 2006, it was a peak of the property boom. It was um, before the recession, if you can remember that time, all that, mm. all those years ago. Yeah. And, and we were doing really well as a country, but I'd been made redundant because they'd run out of money. I was now in a situation where I didn't have income coming in. I was in, living in a house with Bob, my partner, and we had a mortgage to pay, and we were relying on his income. And that didn't make me feel comfortable. That took me back to that time where my marriage broke down and I had to go on benefits and all that. And I didn't want to be in that position. So controls back up. But then there's this thing about money going on. And interest rates were reasonably good. Um, The property market was reasonably good. But we started to hear towards the end of 2006 and into 2007 stuff about America. And it didn't sort of really make any sense. There was this woman called Fannie Mae who seemed yeah. to be in the And it was like, who is this woman? And why does she keep making the news all the time? And then she'd got a friend called Freddie Mac, and mm-hmm. he was in trouble as well. And it turned out that they were just silly names for a couple of banks that the States had. Maybe if they'd been called Smith's Bank or Barclays Bank or Lloyd's Bank, I wouldn't have paid attention in the same way. But I started to hear the messages that were coming through. There is trouble in the banking system. There is a peak in the property market. People in America are starting to lose their jobs. Stuff's over here starting to happen. And I just went, "Uh uh-oh, is this another moment when control and now I know the word money are going to collide and what's going to come out of this? And I knew something was happening. I didn't have the language to ask the questions even ask the questions of Google uh, to to find out what was going on and to to understand more about the economics. But I had a gut feeling from these messages that I'd become aware of that something was going on. And so I got our money together and I wanted us to have a cash sum so that we could be ready to make a move. 
And that's exactly what happened. Then the banks all crashed in 2007. And then another opportunity came along for me, an email into the into my email account that just said, please come to a free property event. And I went along and it's like the penny dropped. This is it. This is where maths and money meet. This is where money and control meets. This is how I can take back control of my life. I can use my money. I can leverage my money through understanding maths to create a way that I can have income that is independent of a job. And I'm using property because people always need, always need somewhere to live. And so it, it felt like a very tangible, a very real thing that I could buy that I could then make work for me. And it, and it came together. And so what I would say to everybody who's listening is there are messages out there for you. Some of them, I guarantee you, will be about money maths and the money maths interchange. And maybe it's about a feeling of lack of control for you. Maybe there's a feeling of vulnerability for you. But that is all a message for you to act and to act now. And whatever your two horses are called, I feel that they should be called time and money. That if you take control of the most important things in your life, which is your finances and how you get to live your life, you can create the life that you want. You can work out how much it costs. You can work out how much you're going to earn, how you can earn, how much you need. And then you can just, you can have it. And it doesn't have to be what celebrity and marketeers say about having big cars, big houses, big portfolios, fancy clothes. It can be about what's important to you. And if cars are important to you, good, go for it. But if your family's important to you or your health's important to you or your time is important to you, you can have that as well. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. And it's, I love the, the connection points there because it, it ties it in nicely. Money, maths, time and money just gives people a um, sort of, as I say, those connection points. And is that the type of, because obviously you've got clients and is, is that sort of the route that you bring your clients through that journey? Obviously you can... Mm use your experience but obviously your expertise now i think basically what i do with everybody i speak to whether i do this explicitly or i'm doing it and i know about it and you don't know that i'm doing it to you is i take them through what i consider to now be five principles of wealthy life and in 2018 I knew I was going to have a lot of operations and I knew I was going to be able to work proactively in the way that I did so I spent the time really thinking about well this this whole story that I've told you what does my life mean what am I what am I really trying to tell people what am I really trying to help people with and I created the book called The Wealthy Retirement Plan A Revolutionary Guide to Living the Rest of Your Life in Style and what that book is about is about understanding your time and your money and those two horses and taking control of them. And the way that I do that with you is through these five principles. So there is control, uh, sorry, there is clarity, control, leverage, resources, and legacy. I've still got those in the wrong order. I'll do that again. There are the five principles, which is uh, clarity, control, resources, leverage, and legacy. And what that means is control uh, is very much about financial control. But why would you fill out a spreadsheet and manage your money if you didn't know why? So clarity has to come first, even though financial is more important. Clarity right at the beginning is, do you love your life right now? 
answer yes or no. And you sort of go down a decision tree. And if the answer is yes, you love your life right now, I'm super pleased for you. Then I would ask you questions about, do you have enough money? And the answer is yes or no. Or you come down the uh, no line. I'm not really, my life isn't really amazing. It's okay, but I know that it could be better. Good. Let's think about how you would like it to be better. What would better look like to you? And then we then move on to the money question. So it doesn't matter what you answer at any point. And I turned this into an online audit. I think I probably mentioned this before. So it's called the readiness to retire wealthy. And it's not really about retirement because the message in the book is that retirement of our grandparents and our parents is is a redundant term for us. We don't yeah. want to just stop work at 65. Um, we either want to stop work when we want to stop work or we love what we do and we want to keep going. Mm-hmm. What we want is to be able to live the life that we want. And if you have a balance of enough money to live your life, your time, the way you like it, you don't ever have to retire from everything. You don't have to withdraw from anything because you've got it all. You can just keep going. So, you know, that's it. And so we take you through the five, or I take you through the five principles. And certainly with the online audit, it scores you, you personally against the principles and then it gives you action points as to what you can take and you can find that on my website and we'll put it in the show notes yeah forward slash scorecard and it's a free online audit and it will help you just start that process of going okay do i know what matters in my life do i have the life that i really want to have and then score you out of 100 and if you've got yes 75 80 90 percent wonderful Now let's ask the question, do you have control of your money? Do you know how much money you need to earn on a monthly basis? And are you spending within your means so that you never go into debt on a monthly basis other than if it's good debt leveraged for investment purposes? And the answer is no then it will give you action points as to what you need to do to take it forward. And then it moves on to what resources do you have or you can control? How can you make them work for you by leveraging them? And then ultimately, what is the big dream? And you can just go round the loop again, because then when you work out what the big dream is, you can go back and work tighter at your money. So I realized I used to spend a lot of money um, shopping. I would go shopping a lot. Um, had a lot of shoes, a lot of particularly necklaces, love a necklace. Um, and I just realized that I was wasting money. I would be spending hours of my life giving it to an employer in order to earn money. And as soon as I got that money, I gave it to a shopkeeper mm. to buy stuff that filled up my cupboards. Because how many pairs of shoes can you wear? And I know if there's women out there, they'll be arguing with me that you need <laughs> different pairs of shoes. I totally agree with you, but I was bordering on Imelda Marcos, that woman from yeah. um, South America who had m- more shoes than probably people had food in her country. So, you know, just look at the stuff that you buy. I then started to realize that all the money that I was giving away was opportunities for other people to become rich. And it wasn't working for me. I was giving my time away. And now I was also giving my money away. And I literally changed my spending habits overnight. I went through all of our personal expenses, worked out that we had a couple of life policies that didn't make any sense. We had um, uh, 
private health insurance, right, from when the children were younger. But actually, the terms of the policy meant that it didn't cover my daughters who then had their 18th birthdays. But I was still paying for a life policy for four human beings when the terms of the policy would only cover two of us. You know, so it made me review everything. It made me review our utility bills, our life insurance, our spending habits, subscriptions that we belong to, gym memberships that we never used, everything. And I saved £455 through that one exercise. Yeah. Then I went on and I looked at my spending habit. Do you really need to buy your sandwich out? Can't you take food from home? You don't have to do it every day, but if you just did it, you know, two days a week or three days a week, how much money you're saving. Do you always need to get that coffee just to sit on the train on the way home or stand on the train on the way home? Because that coffee is giving, you know, nearly four pounds to to Costa or to Starbucks or to whoever. That's four pounds. That's that's time that you spent to earn that money to just give it away. And you haven't even got back from work yet. Yeah. So, you know, so, so it's changing those thoughts. Yeah. When you look to save money, which we all should do, and I, I'm i sure as you're talking about policies that you've, we've had since day dot, I'm, I know that I'm, I was thinking about things that I might have, and I'm sure listeners are thinking of what they might have, just because they just become a reoccurring expense that you signed up to years ago, and you assume that they cover for what you signed up to 10 years ago, whatever it may be. But I I guess what I was thinking in relation to when you look to save money, do you look to think about how that can be reinvested in something that you're doing, whether it be a property or, or an online business or some sort of education that you can, we can get that can further, you know, like a professional career or something. Yeah, very definitely. So so it's sort of like a, a process, if you like. So the first thing is to look at what you're spending, what's going out. And just a caveat there, I'm not suggesting that you cancel policies or anything, but yeah, review them and make sure that yeah. they serve you. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing is if you actually, whether you use an Excel spreadsheet, and if you go to my website, there are resources that you can download. Whether you use an Excel spreadsheet or you do it by hand or you do it in Word, whatever you like with a calculator, there are even apps that you can use on your phone. You need to start day one making a list of everything that you spend. And this will probably take you a month to gather all of this together. All of your credit card statements, all of your bank statements. Um, I know we're not being terribly spending cash at the moment because everything went to Mm -hmm. wanting to use credit cards. That's actually quite a good thing. Um, because then everything is recorded on the statements. But if you are spending cash, write everything down. And I learned this lesson when I was first a single parent and I had a notepad that was on the side in the kitchen. And when I came home and once the kids had gone to bed, I got out of my purse any credit card statements that I'd used, you know, um, credit card stubs from the, the machine. And I wrote down everything that I'd spent because I knew I had so little money living on benefits, that I had to make sure that I was careful about what I spend. We all need that level of attention on our finances, but we get a bit carried away and, and we forget to pay attention to what we're spending. Mm. What's, what's interesting as well is that, and this is kind of like what this podcast is about, really. It's about learning lessons and overcoming challenges and evolving into you know, the person that we didn't think we could be and from adversity and, you know, separation and raising your children and whatnot, it just gave you that discipline where you developed this incredible skill 
I've been able to just understand what's coming in and what's coming out. And when I say incredible skill, I don't say that lightly because from an individual's perspective or even a business perspective, or even a, a government's perspective, the sort of the raw sort of currency of been able to understand what goes in and what goes out, it, you know, it's, re- it's relevant to everything. Oh, absolutely. And I think once you master that, so the first thing is mastering your expenses. So I know I don't keep that pad on the side anymore. I don't even use an app on my phone and I don't have an Excel. Well, I do. I don't update it regularly, the Excel spreadsheet that I have on my computer. But I know because what we did was we set up a separate bank account. And in that bank account, we put all of the bills that require to be paid as our essential living. So our gas, our electricity, our mortgage, our insurance, um, the MOT and all of that stuff for the car, TV license, the lot, everything is as a direct debit into that account. And where I can, I make everything come out monthly unless there is a premium for a monthly payment and then I'll pay annually. And so what I know just by looking at my bank statement is that I have to have a certain amount of money go into that bank account to cover all of those essential keep a roof over our Mm. head costs. Then if you then know how much you get in as your wage or your profit from your business, you know the difference. And so let's make the maths easy and say you bring in 3000 a month as a family unit and you need 2000 to cover all of your essentials. You've then got £1,000 left and that £1,000 then pays for the variable essentials that go on. And that's your food and probably your travel and that sort of thing, and then covers any luxuries if you've got any money left. So now let's say you're um, a family of four and it's going to cost you, just to make my maths nice again, £500 on food and medicines and that sort of thing. Now, this isn't eating out um, and this isn't your shop-bought coffees. This is the stuff that you get as regular shopping to Fiji. So now you've got one bank account tidied up with direct debits that you know all of those direct debits are going out. When your wages come into, and we'll assume you're a partnership, yours and your partner's bank accounts, you put in two, and I would suggest £2,200, so there's always a surplus, straight into that other account. Boom. Don't even need to worry about it now because it's there in the back of your mind. You know the numbers, but you don't have to count every do it. And this is after you've done the exercise and got to grips with it. Okay. Now... The only money that you've got left in your bank account is the money that the two of you can afford to spend. And so we're going to make you equal wages and everything else. So you've got your 400 or no, you've got 600 pounds left in your, your two accounts. You know that you need 500 pounds for the food. You know that you always pay that on your, and let's just say your Tesco's credit card. You go to Tesco's, you always use the Tesco's credit card to buy the food You keep a record of how much you're spending. You can top this up in your head. That's not hard. I go to the shops once a week and I go to myself, "Mm, just spent £100. I've just spent £90. I've just spent £110. And I, I can just add those numbers up in my head. And then you know that you'll have the money in your bank account to pay your credit card and you'll have £100 left. And at the end of it, I would be looking to put that £100 into savings until I built built up three months worth of savings. And that's the goal for me. So if you're 
basic expenses are 2000 and then other expenses on the top is roughly 1000 you need 3000 a month to provide for your family essentials and food and a little bit of spare money i would want to see 9000 pounds in savings because if you lost your job that means that you don't have to panic you can focus on finding a new job you can focus on starting a new business because you know you've got 3 months money in the bank if you can stretch that all the way to having 18000 pounds worth of savings you've got 6 months money in the bank you know that you don't have to panic i worked with one of my neighbors so through covid and lockdown we all went out and did the clapping we all started speaking to one another we had a few socially distanced chats one of them um a lovely lady lost a job single parent was so stressed about money i sat down and did what i do with my clients i asked her if you like quite rude for british people's um level of of conversation i asked her how much money you used to earn how much money you have in savings how much your mortgage is how much do you need to spend on a monthly basis and i worked out for her that where we were with the furlough payments as they were coming in with the part-time job that she could then she had and she would then be able to go back to and everything else that was going on that she had enough money from i think we had this conversation in something like june she had enough money to carry her forward until the end of november she had 5 months money in reserve they could carry on living yeah. as long as they weren't extravagant and all of a sudden the stress and the anxiety went from her. I mean, she'd, she'd pop round for a natter and ended up in tears. And that wasn't mm. me, even me making her cry. She'd already got, <laughs> to the she got to the tears first. And we sort of sat out in the garden. She was crying. And then, you know, she just, she had this sort of relief about her. And now she's got a new job and everything's wonderful. Whereas at that time, because the stress of money just makes people miserable. Yeah worrying about your bills and then yeah. you buy more stuff to make you happy which puts you further in debt which makes you more stressed it's yeah it's daft yeah and, and also, also oh, and also what she's got as well is this new discipline that you've given her you've given her this education about how she can just control i hope that she's using the methodology that you gave her so that she just understands what's going in and as you said it would take away the stress and some of it she already had. So she was already saying that she didn't want to work weekends anymore. So she's now created the life that she wants. She wants to keep her working life within Monday to Friday. She knows how much she needs to earn on a monthly basis. Yeah. She's picked the jobs that she wants, which means she can work on her terms. So again, you know, for, for everybody, it won't be that you would have one job. You might have more than one job. You might have a job and you might have a business. But if you don't take control of your money, you can't take control of your time. And what you end up doing is you make, you're busy out there making money, earning money in order to have more time. But actually what you're doing is you're spending time in order to get more money, in order to, you think, get more time and you've got it all the way wrong, wrong way around. Yeah. And you asked there was, how can you then take this forward to having a job? Well, first off, if you learn how to manage your personal finances, you have a massive skill going into any business because a business isn't a business unless it's profitable. And you won't know if it's profitable unless you understand how to manage the finances of a business. And so the skills that you're going to learn in your personal life, you will be able to transfer into your business life. Yeah. And interestingly, I don't know whether you can, whether we can be that forensic because clearly there's a lot of job movement at the moment with companies making people redundant and people looking for different jobs about what to go in. So 
if you're looking to go to a job, should we be quite forensic about, obviously we want, we obviously, you know, theoretically we apply for jobs that we are interested in and we think we're going to enjoy, but obviously we want to make sure that that company's doing reasonably well, that we're not going to be there just, it's not the last row of the dice. Yeah, I think that's going to be fairly hard to predict, isn't mm. it? Because, um, I mean, the levels of skill that it's going to take for you to understand a business model. Mm. But I think you're going to have some listeners here who are super bright and super switched on, um, probably younger listeners because they're like really clued up on the whole social media side of things. Yeah. And you start to see trends. And I think one of the trends that we're going to get out of 2020 is how can you make any business, um, what phrase to use, lockdown proof? How can you make a business lockdown proof? And if the business that you're going to isn't lockdown proof, then do you want to put all of your eggs in that basket? So say, for example, um, you love cooking and you've decided that you are a chef Right. And then the issue with chefing is that you need to have people that will buy the food. So in the village where we live, what we've noticed is that our restaurants and, and you'll probably notice them around switched relatively quickly over to deliveries. Yeah. Now, the issue with that is that. Um, a they are reliant on people whereas before they would have packed restaurants and some of our restaurants here in the village used to actually have waiting lists so if you didn't book at least a week in advance you couldn't just show up at the restaurant on a Saturday and expect to get a table which is a fantastic pre-covid business to be in and now afterwards they're reliant on people um placing orders so they've gone hard they've got banners outside the business they've got all of the messages saying this is what we do they're doing everything on facebook they've had printed bags so instead of the takeaway going in a plastic bag which none of us really like plastic bags they've got little canvas bags with all the marketing printed on it and it you know you walk around and it says look i've just got food from kaspari and then they're advertising that to everybody else Still the issue when I've spoken to them, I said, oh, you, you seem to be doing really well. You know, I've had to wait 45 minutes for my delivery this or my takeaway this time. And we just go and collect it because it's in the village. Um, they've said that the thing that they've noticed is that when a, um, a person comes into the restaurant, what they do is they buy probably a starter, a main and a dessert, and they definitely will buy some drinks. And so although they're doing well on the food, there's a lot of profit in the sale of drinks. Yeah. And the same for the bakery. So the bakery is still selling the bread and the cakes, but the profit was in the sandwiches. And so what you've got to look at now is if there's a piece of your business or the business that you're going to go to that is vulnerable to lockdown, what can you put in place so that you can make sure that you maximize the business that comes through the other side that can operate in any sort of lockdown situations. Because I don't want to be doom and gloom, but I don't know, I keep thinking about this. And how can we not now have COVID as we have flu? How can we not have, if not this virus evolve, how can we not in the next 10 years maybe have another virus come along? You know, with the way that we travel and everything that goes on, the spread of disease, we've watched the movies on the telly. We watched it again recently, um, Contagion with, I can't remember her name, the blonde actress. You know, so you see all of these things happen on the telly. And I remember watching these doomsday sort of programs even when I was a child. 
but it's now it's our reality and we've got to adapt and I don't mean adapt by just going out wearing masks we've got to be able to continue to function as a society so if we have to lock down locally that's fine what can you do online how can you for example if you're a fitness person have a gold, silver, bronze service that you offer. The bronze service can be your, and it's not that it's any less, it's just I needed to one, two, three service lines, if you like, that if you are passionate about getting fit, that you create your online videos, you create your online course, you write your book, you do your program, and people can buy into that as a standalone product. Or they can buy into that and have telephone coaching with you. All of those are lockdown proof. Yeah. And then you can still have your elevated product, your high price product, which is where you work with clients on a one to one basis to take them through some body transformation um, program. But you can do stuff online to be marketing and then you can sell people into your programs and you can give them that coaching support because that's what people will pay for. They pay for the accountability. So you've got to find those things in any business that you set up and you've got to look for those things in any company that you choose to to, um, to go with. So pubs, for example, I think are like the hardest thing because pubs don't really do take away beer, do they? No. So not. I think pubs have got to look at how can they evolve because they're not going to survive repeated lockdowns in the way that they are. Pubs are definitely going to have to be um, an environment that has an inside and an outside space. And of course, in recent years, the outside space has been where all the smokers go. So we've got to look at how we can change that outside space so it's attractive to people who want to come and have a socially distanced drink if we get into sort of those periods again. And then also, how do you manage and maximize inside? Because if people are going to go outside to drink, what can you do inside? Is that where you can make some socially distanced tables and maybe you do introduce food when you were just a pub and you didn't do drinks, you know, you didn't do food before? Do you bring on food? Because then you can do takeaway food. You've just got to look at how businesses can adapt to everything that's going on now. Yeah, yeah, because we don't know what the future holds. You know, I'm quite a positive person and we, you know, we have no choice but to get through this. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's important that we extract as much learning from this and I like your term lockdown proof services because I think that there will be because of the way that the job market's changing and because people are thinking long and hard about their careers whether they've been made redundant or whether they're actually still in work but maybe they're not sure whether they're going to get an email or uh, have Mm. a meeting that actually what really do I want to do what really am I motivated to do and can I do something on my own or with my friend or with my cousin or with whoever or an ex-work colleague or a current work colleague independently because we do have an idea that we've been talking about but we've never really sat down and gone through the process is now that moment Mm. where actually they can do that and and I think I think that's great and I think everybody should be looking that way so i mean the first thing is how can you lock down proof your personal finances and gain that skills that you could take into business of understanding finance and if you then are in a position hopefully you're all still working and that's marvelous but if you've got this idea bubbling along instead of watching tv so much or now you can't go out as much 
don't go out have those conversations with family or friends and look at a business opportunity that you could take off the ground and and i've said to you that i've got the readiness to retire wealthy online audit one of the other things that i've also created is the business health check so you could actually take the business health check audit and run your idea through the business health check do you understand the market and do you understand what they're prepared to pay and do you understand how much it's going to cost to run your business and all of those aspects and you can start to think all of those ideas through now while you're still employed or now while you're still on furlough and don't give that up and if you continue to be in work and you're one of those lucky people that doesn't get made redundant you can still breed and 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 grow this idea on the side yeah, absolutely. so that it is there that you can step over into when you're ready. And I think the key thing for me is if you are in a job and if you are and you have got control of your finances, don't let go of that until you are generating at least 100%, if not 150% of your your wages or the amount of money that you need. You remember we spoke in the example yeah. of what if you needed 3000 well, then don't give up work until your business is generating enough money that it's making £4,000 a month, £4,500 a month. And that's after expenses. Don't give up the work until you've got that. Or that you've got cash reserves and then you could take it down to 3000 a month because you've got the reserves there. Now, that seems like a lot and it is a lot. And I would, if I had been employed, I would never have given up work in order to invest in property. I invested in property when I was unemployed because I was made redundant. And I was lucky to be living with someone who was still employed and we could live off of his wages. And also because he was employed, we could get the mortgages in his name or our joint names, but off his wages. So it worked for me. But don't give up a job. Don't give up money that's coming into your family. Above all, that's so important. Yeah. And really, when you think about it in the big picture of things, it's not the most important thing in life. Your health is the most important thing in life. Your family and being with people that you love and you're taking care of your children or taking care of your parents or spending time with your brothers and sisters and cousins, that's more important than money. But actually, what lockdown has shown us is that it's very difficult in an economy to survive if you don't have money. So do what you can to lock down proof your money and then look at how you can lock down proof your time by creating a business that works for you and with you so that you can still have it all, have your priorities, have have time to spend on what matters to you, but still generate income. And I know that sounds like a lot, but not everybody will need £3,000 a month. If you're not a family of four, if you're just a single person living in rented accommodation, I've got one client, he and his wife, we worked out that they only need £1,100 a month because they've got a very small mortgage. Um, They just have to pay for, in those days when we did, their travel card into London to go on Mm. the train. And they had plenty of surplus cash. And so what they started to do was ring fence that money, very quickly got together lumps of, of cash. We then went ahead and invested that money into property because the wonderful thing about property is you can then draw down a mortgage. So instead of putting £100,000 into a property and then all of your money's gone, you can put 25000 in as a deposit and buy four properties. I'm simplifying the model. But he was able to literally buy four properties. So we bought two straight off with the money that he first saved, then released from his mortgage. 
And then he went on and he saved again. And two years later, bought him another two. So he's now got four properties that generate more money than he earned through his wages, but he still hasn't given up work. Yeah. He and his wife still have jobs. What they have done is he has chosen to work a three-day week instead of working a five-day week so he can get some more balance back in his life. His wife is still loving her job, so she is continuing to work a five-day week. And maybe she will get to a point where she goes, do you know what? You're having two days off. I want to be two days off with you. Yeah. And so then maybe she'll step back. And so you can do this. You can plan your life once you can control your money. Okay. That's fabulous advice and logic. And who doesn't want to plan their life so they can live a happier life and have that control that you mentioned earlier? Who doesn't, who doesn't want that control? So, so do you take on clients? I know that you're very busy, so I don't know what that looks like for you. If, if there are people listening that want to contact you, what would you suggest? They read your books or they visit your website, look at your tools, or do you take on clients? Is, how does that look? Um, well, yes, to all of those answers. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so the easy thing to do is that you can look at the book. So whether you're interested in, if you like, the taking control of your life and creating the future you want, that would be the Wealthy Retirement Plan book. Or if you're specifically interested in property, then there are two property books there for you, using other people's money, how to invest in property and make more money from property. So you could look those two up. If you just, again, if you can spell my name, you can put it into Amazon and you'll find my books. If you're not sure that property is the thing for you, then there's even a book there called Property for the Next Generation, which is changing the way we think about property. So there's books for you to read if you want that. You can go to YouTube and you can watch videos. You can go on to my website at vickywilshay.com forward slash scorecard and you can take one of these assessments. So the weather's not going to be too nice over the next couple of weeks that we're recording. So I will get the third one finished. There will eventually be three online audits that you can take. Wow. The first, first one is um, the readiness to retire wealthy, which takes you through those five principles of yeah. the wealthy retirement that I said. So clarity about what you want, control, how in control of your money are you, resources, how much, how aware are you of what you've got or what you could gain access to? Are you making them work, leverage, and then legacy, what's the big idea? So it will take you through that, give you a personalized report and an action plan of what you need to do to bring your scores up under each of those five categories. And then there are two more. So if you're thinking of starting a business, but you haven't, you can run your idea through the business health check and make sure that you are touching bases with the six principles that are part of a healthy business. And if you've already got a business, or maybe your business is struggling as part of, of the whole lockdown that's been going on, you could run yourself through the business health check and identify where there are weaknesses or gaps in your business that you could then focus in on, and you'll get a personalized report and actions that you can follow. And then if you're interested in property. And when you become interested in property, the one that I'm finishing off at the moment is called Invest Assess. And that will take you through the six um, property smart principles that you need to be aware of. So all of that is there for you online. And yes, I absolutely do work with clients, everything from helping clients who've got the cash, but not the time to invest in property. So I find uh, properties for them, working with a client at the moment where, because he's an existing investor, I'm helping him buy a shop with a flat over the top and he's going to be making over a thousand pounds a month 
profit on that, wow. um, which is, you know, that's a great add addition to his portfolio. Yeah. So there's that side of thing. And I also work with people who want to learn how to invest in property. So I do that. So there's all the teaching materials there. But above all, I feel like I'm um, a cross between a business consultant and a life consultant. I work with people, typically small business owners, um, freelancers, people who've got senior jobs or who come into money through um, an inheritance or a bonus. And I help them really understand what is the life that they want? How can they work out how much it's going to cost them? And then how can they maximize the resources that they've got to live that life? Okay. And so we do a lot with, with business owners because they're frequently the ones who are working so hard in the business that they're not having the time to enjoy life outside the business. Yeah. So you give people that balance where they can sort of enjoy the business and work hard, but also, you know, let's have one to, to enjoy, right? Yeah, enjoy the journey, not just waiting till you get to the destination. Mm. And if anybody wants to, then I'm sure you'll stick it in the show notes, but you can drop me an email, say that you've listened to this podcast. So you can go to vicky at wushay-associates.co.uk or you can send me a message on Facebook or LinkedIn or find me on, on my website address and I'll happily book you in, see what I can do, give a, give a call to you, a short call to you and then let's look at whether you want to work with me or whether it's just a case of directing you to one of my books or to one of the scorecards and that will give you enough to get you going. It doesn't have to be about you have to come and pay me money in order that you can have the life. There'll be plenty of your listeners that will read the book or take the scorecard or both. And that will give them that piece of knowledge, that yeah. language that they needed, that they can go and do it for themselves. Yeah. I'm here to help the people who want to do it quicker or need someone to support them to make sure that they're making the best of the resources and the time that they've got. Yeah. And you've got such rich content and information so you know you cover so many different variables for people which is fantastic so so that that's wonderful what i just want to ask you very well just ask you is if there are people that are in that sort of flux now who are maybe thinking about what their next moves should be maybe there's things a little bit uncertain would you have any advice for those guys yeah, I think the simplest thing is is get clear on where you are right now. And I'm sorry to keep banging on about it, but if you take the scorecard, uh, it really will give you, and, and, you know, I started all of this about saying it's about maths and money. And I think if I give you a score, uh, and the irony is we've just had all these poor children going through the, the disaster mm. of the A-level results and everything else, it will give you a score. But this is actually a score based on the answers that you give. How are you in terms of being clear what you want in your life? And if you're not clear, you'll see that you don't get such a great score. But what you will get is some questions to then say to you, well, think about this, do this, write this, listen to this. And then it'll go on and it'll ask you, how in control of your finances are you? And if you don't get such a great score, it'll tell you things that you can do. But if you do get great scores there, then maybe it's about your resources or how you're making your resources work that is where your weakness is. Or maybe you're just going to have an amazing score throughout the audit. And if that's the case, brilliant. Then just buy the book, 
take the principles on and move them on, get that job or yeah. start your investments or, or move on to that next part of life because the audit will have given you the confidence to know that you're in a good position. So it's, it's there for twofold. It's there to give you the confidence to take the step forward if you're already in the position to move forward. But it's also there to point out where there might be areas of weakness before you implement your plan so that you can fix those and then be even stronger in the creation of the life that you want. Yeah, fabulous. And and what I really like about what you just said, Vicky, is that when people go for that process is that you give people information and and if there's a, a challenge somewhere, there's a point of reference to go back and look into something else. So you so you know what area to look into or to sort of move things to where you want yourself to be, which I think is is really important. So there's direction. Mm. Well I mean the thing is I'm I'm living a wonderful life. That doesn't mean to say that I don't want to earn money. Um, I want to earn money in order to continue to do more of the things that I do, um, to invest back into my business, to invest back into maybe more properties. But more importantly, if I'm going to take time from when I might be blackberry picking with my granddaughter to help you with your business, I need to know that you value my time so much so that I'm prepared to give up doing something that I had planned in order to help you. And I'm happy to help you. And the only way that we ever demonstrate that value, yes, I really appreciate the help you're giving me, is because we pay. So when we pay for things, we value things more than when we value things for free. And I used to spend a lot of time working with people that I would meet, you know, in the old days when we went around and we spoke at events rather than doing on zoom and podcasts when i used to speak at events i would meet people and there was always someone and i would always end up oh yes yes i'll have calls with you and i had calls with them but you know what as much as all of those people were wonderful none of them have made um the leap in the same way as other people who have paid and this is not to say really that's that interesting starts at one and goes to three but when when my clients put money into it Every one of my clients gets exponential results Mm. because they are committed. Yeah. And I can tell, I can tell on the phone whether you're committed or not. And I can tell by the language you use, whether you're committed or not, or whether you're making excuses or not. Yeah. And, And it's just a massive difference to, you know, what are we wasting our time for? Because you're not serious about this. I'm giving up an hour every mm. week to you or or a, an hour over a couple of months to speak to you, depending on the sort of what you what help you want from me, because I'm very happy to be flexible about it. But what's the point of me giving up an hour if we have a whole conversation and you go, right, okay, that's my list that I'm going to do this, this and this. And then how long do you need to do that a month? Okay, let's speak in a month. And I come back a month later so how did it go? And you haven't done anything. Then I wasted that hour mm. last. And now I'm going to waste another hour while you spend half of it telling me all the excuses for not doing it. You're not committed, are you? Mm. Yeah. You know, so this is, I think, for me, is, is one of the reasons why I've had mentors in my business. I've had mentors for two reasons, three reasons, really. One, because they're great contacts to have. You never know who they know and how they can escalate your connections, but they have knowledge very specifically that they can share with you, but equally they hold you accountable and they are a joint 
investor, if you like, in your future. If you get a good mentor, and I've had a, I had a few in the past, I've had some that really, quite frankly, didn't care whether I actually achieved or not. They were mm. there to get the money. But I have had some that I've really felt were invested in my future. And that's, you see, that's how I get pleasure out of the, the work side of my life. I get invested in your success. And if you're yeah. successful, I've just had it with, with a, a young couple who um, bought their first buy to let. They're now in a position where they've got a barn that they are developing. We've been talking about the, the pros and cons of developing the barn, issues with developing the barn, how to deal with contractors, how to deal with planning, all of that sort of stuff. And now they've just put their house on the market and they got sort of like this big sale day and they got their offer straight away. And now they're selling it and they're moving on. And I had so much vicarious pleasure from their success that that I get joy as well as I get money. But I don't get the joy unless you commit the money because yeah. then you don't commit. That makes sense that, you know, if we use our hard currency to invest in something invariably, you know, we I attach we value. value it. Yeah, we yeah. attach value about that. And also we want we want value for money. We want to achieve something. And if we don't put the money down, then maybe we're not as well invested okay. as, we, as we might be. And also we need to be. So that, that's a really neat lesson that, that you've given us and, and a cue that people can look. Because I'm sure there are lots of people out there that are consultants and this that, and the other. And you want to work with people that value your time so you can use that time effectively. Yeah, definitely. So Vicky, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. And all I need you to do is agree to do a third one at some point. That's all I need from you now. <laughs> I was just going to say to you, and here's to our third recording. Yes, let's get it in the diary. Pick yes. the topic and we'll, yeah. we'll go again. I yeah. don't have a problem. I love speaking with you, um, Paul. And I really hope that your listeners get maximum value out of this and take action and get control of their lives so that they can live it in the way that they want and not feel the stress that comes from debt and a lack of control mm. and, and feeling like it's all spiraling away and, and you're not the one steering the path. Because the thing is that if you don't become the author of your own life story, you will become a character in somebody else's story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really pertinent now because of what's going on. Obviously, the pandemic has been uh, awful, but I think in terms of people's careers and whatnot, so I think now is a moment where we all can just, you know, take a moment to think about actually that thing that I wanted to do that I've spoke about to, to certain people and bored them silly. Maybe now is the moment to really go after that and believe in it and using some of the, um, the audits that you've provided that will be in the show notes of this episode, mm. they can actually look at it and they can work out actually is, is this opportunity viable now? If it's not viable now, what do I need to do to sort of plug the gap so it becomes viable? And, and you've given me so much to think about personally. So doing this podcast, there's always an element of selfishness on my part because I get to, to speak to people like yourselves and just learn so much and put that into my life. So, awesome. so yeah. So yes, I'm, I'm just a little bit selfish today. So thank you. No, no, you crack on. And I, I know you've got a copy of the book. So obviously, you know, I'd love to get your feedback when you've read, but make sure you take the scorecard as well. And then, you know, I can be there to help you. Yes, you yes. Like. I'm, I'm going to definitely lean on you. And thank you everybody for listening to another episode of My Perfect Failure with myself and Vicky. 
please look out for future episodes of My Perfect Failure with me and also with Vicky. <laughs> and you can catch me at www.myperfectfailure.com. I'm on Twitter, which is failure underscore perfect. In service pads in PF. And please leave a review for My Perfect Failure and look out for future episodes of My Perfect Failure. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to My Perfect Failure podcast. Be sure to visit www.myperfectfailure.com to join the conversation. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Look out for our next episode.